Hello, I'm Margie and welcome to the Desert Island Dishes podcast. This is the podcast where every week I ask my guests to choose their seven Desert Island dishes. These range from finding out about the dish that most reminds them of their childhood, the best dish they've ever eaten, and of course, the last dish they would choose to eat before being cast off to the Desert Island. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the podcast as it really does help to give the show a little boost and for that I'm very grateful. So this is a lovely episode with Rhiannon. There's nothing she doesn't know about nutrition and so I was very intrigued to hear her choice of desert island dishes and I am very happy to report that there are lots of puddings in this episode. There are snacks, there's all sorts. I hope you enjoy. My guest today is Rhiannon Lambert. Rhiannon is a nutritionist with her own clinic on Harley Street. She imparts evidence-based health advice to a whole range of different clients, from young women to new mums and professional athletes. A popular face across social media, newspapers, and on TV, she has consulted behind the scenes on the MasterChef series. She also works alongside doctors to demonstrate the influence nutrition can have on illness and recovery. So basically, she knows an awful lot about nutrition and having a good relationship with food, to say the very least. Her debut book, Renourish, has just come out, which is very exciting. And before all of this, Rhiannon won Classic FM Singer of the Year competition at the age of just 17 and went on to perform with Alfie Bow later that year. She trained at the Royal Academy of Music, a woman of many talents. Welcome, Rhiannon. Oh, thank you, Margie. Gosh, what a lovely introduction. I know, you've done so many things. It's so exciting. And you're hot off the launch of your first book. I know, it's whizzed by. How was the launch party? Because you had it at the Albert Hall. I did. I mean, so cool. I know the Albert Hall, it felt like it had to be there because the Royal Albert Hall is a place that for me is really special. I mean, I started working there when I was about 18. So I've been there about 10 years. And I I worked in the box office taking calls and I thought, of all the buildings in London to be consistent, it's actually the Royal Albert Hall of all of them. (laughs) I mean, that is very cool in itself. Yeah, a bad one. How do you go about hosting a party there? Well, kudos to any of you events planners out there because I don't think I would ever want to plan an event again. (laughs) Was it quite stressful? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It was an incredible experience to be behind the scenes, not just in the scenes as such because obviously from my singing background normally I'm hired to sing at events like this yes but this time I was coordinating the guests the singers the book signing and do you know what it was a night I will remember forever it was very special oh it sounds amazing (laughs) okay let's dive straight into talking about the first desert island dish of the day and that's the dish that most reminds you of your childhood oh my goodness so this was quite difficult because I had I had several but I thought the one that really stuck out to me because I'm a big foodie would be my mum's crumble Ooh, I know a dessert surprisingly for a nutritionist I don't think there's anything wrong of having dessert there's big misconceptions this is great news yeah yeah no definitely (laughs) everything in moderation of course but a crumble for me if there's one on the menu I cannot turn it down and I would love not just a plain apple crumble you know adding berries and things into it and I think because my grandma used to make rhubarb crumble rhubarb crumble so yeah good. that was really good and as a child though I didn't like rhubarb so now I love it it's only those aversions as a child that you, you kind of get rid of them when yeah. you get older but it had to be with custard and ice cream oh 
I was going to ask you that. Yeah, double whammy. That's, yeah, very good news. I mean, why would you just have one? Exactly. I know, I know. <laughs> and was there any special way that your mum made it? Oh, yeah. So it wouldn't be with the flour. She always made the topping with oats. Ooh. So I grew up thinking crumble. And then in shops, when people would buy crumbles, they wouldn't have oats in them. You know, they'd be the flour topping. And I'd be like, oh, this isn't the same. So actually in the book, I've now made a recipe that contains like almonds instead and lots of different textures. Because I like that kind of crunchy texture yeah you want the mix of like the crunchy texture mm. on the top and then slightly sort of soggy exactly. on the bottom don't you? yeah yeah with the um. soft fruit that's nicely cooked through there's nothing worse than a bit of crunch and apple I want it a soft I want a soft apple yeah oh I feel like you're yeah. a woman that knows how crumbles yeah I do <laughs> <laughs> So what what was the kind of food that you grew up eating? Was it sort of typical home cooking and was your mum the main cook? I was really lucky because mum did cook a lot. Yeah, she um, would make things like shepherd's pies, typical kind of lamb chops, roast dinners at a weekend. But we would actually have a takeaway on a Friday night occasionally growing up. And because my parents divorced when I was quite young, when I was about 14, I actually moved to live with my dad. And this is something I don't actually talk about a lot, but it it links into the food. And my sister stayed with my mum. I ended up cooking for my dad. (gasps) Yeah, at a very young age, because he'd come back from work late. And I I just had to figure it out myself. And that really dictated a lot of kind of learning how to make quick, easy meals at such a young age when I look back. It was I was whipping up stir fries for my dad after school. Because that was the only thing I kind of figured out how to do quickly. Yeah. Well, that brings us on very nicely to the second Desert Island dish yes. of the day. And that's the first dish that you learned to cook. That would definitely be a spag bol. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think you must get a lot of people saying that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, spag bol is a popular option. A hundred percent. So I wasn't always into nutrition. And I actually think spag bol is a very balanced meal. You know, you can get tons of veggies if people like them in the sauce. Yes. I've been fortunate. I've always loved vegetables. Apart from sprouts. Oh, what? I know. What have you got against sprouts? Honestly, I don't. It's the only <laughs> vegetable in the world I have a hard time with. Really? Yeah. And that's it, so interesting. Yeah. Even if they're sort of fried with lots of butter and some Even chestnuts. And chestnuts or chestnuts. Yeah, I'm not into it. it. No, it's a childhood thing. Yeah, that's interesting, yeah. isn't it? I guess, is it the way they smell? I think it, I when they're boiling. Yeah, I don't even of, want to go into too much detail. Oh. How, it, how it felt when I ate it as a child, I don't know. <laughs> okay, we'll I move know. on from that. So what what are you sneaking sort of courgettes and stuff yeah, into your bolognese? Definitely. I, I mean, I wasn't a big carrot fan, but I loved the greens. I was a bit odd in that sense, minus the sprouts. But, and lots of pumps and cheese on top. And now I make it with corn mints. So obviously I'm not a big red meat eater now. It's very yeah. rare that I have red meat. But as a child, it would be with lean beef mints standard kind of thing some people make it with turkey mints now as well yeah yeah, yeah. I think it's nice with a mixture mm. sort of yeah. mixing in um obviously not if you're not a meat eater yeah. but a mixture of pork and yeah. beef exactly. is really nice you get for different textures and I think obviously you're getting the juices from the meat to flavor the sauce and for those people that are vegans now I often say let's get a load of garlic in there let's really go full pelt Italian maybe even add some rosemary just get a load of herbs flavors in there obviously as a child it was not this gourmet no but, um, <laughs> I saw and um, you know how all the supermarkets now are doing sort of ready-made sweet potato chips and yes. sort of uh, courgette and yesterday I thought they had like loads of um chopped up mushrooms and they're yeah. calling it like mushroom mints love it obviously you don't have to buy the mushrooms no. chopped up you could just chop them but yeah it's but good that there's of... sort of lots of different alternatives yeah and it's quite quick I don't think a spaghetti bolognese takes that long no in mm. your mind it's sort of a labor of love that could take three hours and obviously if you've got the time but no you can definitely whip something up definitely. really delicious. and even now in fact now I'd probably add a dash of red wine oh yes mm. 
I know. What? So when you went to live with your dad, yeah. did your mum sort of arm you with different recipes, um, or were you sort exactly? Of... That's one I remembered because that's one of the things I used. To, obviously, there's cakes. You know, at school you yeah. learn how to make fairy cakes, yeah, cupcakes, which I think is something that should change as well. Actually, in society, I think we should learn to make these staple meals at school, yeah, not just cakes and biscuits. Yeah. Just so, did you have cooking lessons at school? Oh, not. You just learned, like I said, cakes. Yeah, I don't even remember making cakes no. like I don't oh, think really? we had yeah I don't think we had cooking lessons yeah which is really bad isn't it's it? it's really bad I think there's a big movement now where the curriculum's changing thank goodness but no with my mum I would really learn to make more dessert items but spag bowl's one that stuck out so I kind of had to fend for myself a little bit when I moved my dad's it was really interesting I would go to the local supermarket and just buy a bag of stir-fried vegetables and chopping an onion so I also worked at an all-girls kitchen um, in the kitchen at an all-girls school which was down the road the kind of nicer school up the road from where I currently yeah. was fine. <laughs> but I remember putting my hair net on and that place taught me loads because they taught me how to cut an onion properly I was very young, I was 14 at this point, working there after school. And I would learn how to make all these big kind of staple dishes. It was also an insight into how catering worked because a lot of things are kind of vacuum packed and in massive, you know, tubs. Yeah. So the quality probably wasn't as good. It looks so unappealing, it doesn't does. it? You're yeah. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I know. And then I'm serving the girls at the school as food thinking, well, yeah, I guess it's okay. But I yeah. know that that's could be when, better. When I started chefing and mm. I was freelancing, one of my first jobs was to... Do the, I think it was like maternity cover for someone yeah. working in a nursery school. Yeah. And when I got into the kitchen, they had a menu of that today's food. Yeah. And the pudding, it was all very simple, but the pudding was poached pears. Of course. I was like, oh, mm. okay, at least I yeah. can sort of spend some time peeling yeah. pears and I can poach them in like a lovely <laughs> yeah. sugar syrup. Yeah. And I went and asked this woman and she was like, no, it's just that big uh, tin it's over there. Done. I was like, yeah. Oh, okay. So it, was, it wasn't poached pears. It was just no. tinned pears. <laughs> Always a bit disappointing. Yeah, really disappointing. I actually have a poached pear recipe in the book. Oh, do you? I do. Because it's also one of my favourite things. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a true of a poached pear. Mm. Really versatile as well. Mm, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> so you moved to London at the age of 17. I did. Yeah. And were you living on your own then? Well, I was put, so I didn't know what to do. I was in this predicament where I'd won this competition with Classic FM, which was mind-boggling at that time. I had to finish my A-levels still. Was it a bit of a whirlwind? Like yeah. you won and suddenly... Everything changed. Yeah. yeah, and I thought, I have to take this opportunity. You know, it's incredible. Um, I didn't really have anything lined up. So I needed to find a way of paying the rent because my record contract covered the first month's rent, but not the rest. Crikey. I know. So <laughs> pressure was on, but my singing teacher found a flat in Camden. So my first place was Camden, which is kind of scary for someone from the country with no yeah, experience in London. Yeah, that is. <laughs> <laughs> like Camden Market. I know. And I was, um, yeah, very young. And the girls that I was living with, there were three of them, and they all trained at the Royal Academy of Music, which is where I was having my singing lessons. And they were all so much older than me because they were mature students. So they were about 26, 27 at the time. Yeah. Which was good in hindsight because they helped me, you know, with basics. Like I need to go out and buy a frying pan because there isn't one of my own. Yeah. I just assumed I'd move in and, you know, there'd be a kitchen. Yeah. yeah. So you have to think of these <laughs> small kind of things. But it was an amazing experience living in Camden at such a young age uh quite scary there were drug raids and things oh and I know I know <laughs> and it, it sounds like those couple of years were obviously you're experiencing loads of different things and it was really exciting but also quite scary and there were some there were some low times yeah there, there were some extremely low times and I mean from a foodie sense living with someone from Taiwan 
from Sweden and France. They were my flatmates. We used to have cooking nights every week where I would cook an English dish, which I didn't have a big vocabulary at the time. You know, obviously (laughs) just what my mum had done when I was a kid. And they would cook these incredible dishes. I had like Taiwanese porridge. We would all whip up something. My flatmate and law would make a quiche. It, It was, that was fun. But the low times of being on your own in such a big city and I wasn't eating well because I was on such a budget. I mean, yeah. I, I just handed out CBs in Oxford Street and got a retail job in Caramillon because I didn't know. Didn't know what, there was no social media then. Yeah, no, it was a different time. Yeah, Rhiannon. it really was. So <laughs> gives away how old I am. But, um, <laughs> Shut <yeah>. up. <laughs> You're still a baby. <laughs> I don't feel like it sometimes. It's one of those funny things. But yeah, working in London was tough. And I ended up going to the doctors at one point saying I'm having a really hard time here. And instead of acknowledging that I was malnourished, because literally I was just eating Weight Watchers products and porridge for dinner because oats were cheap. Yeah. <laughs> he just gave me antidepressants and told me to get on with it. Oh, so in lots of ways, your time as a singer was mm. what influenced you oh, to get into nutrition. Definitely to learn about my body. And food is a wonderful thing. And I didn't see it in that way. You know, I never looked at food in the way I do now. When yeah. I sort of, I guess... It's a light bulb moment when you mm. start to realize that food is um, fuel rather yeah, than just 100%. like this thing that you do. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I also read about quite a shocking moment that you had where you saw another singer chewing cotton oh, wool. Goodness. I couldn't get over it. I was singing at an event because as a classical singer, you would do these amazing catwalk shows or with all these models and I'd be singing this amazing aria at the side and they'd be walking the runway and it sounds very glam, but backstage, I'll never forget having this one girl... I was like, what are you doing? And she, she was pulling this cotton wool out. She goes, oh, because I don't eat at the moment. So I, this keeps me full. That the texture, even on your teeth, oh, makes no, me feel sick. No, it's, yes. like, it's like fingernails on yes. a chalkboard, isn't oh, it? It's one of those, yeah, the chalkboard moment. And I, I literally was sat there thinking, this is just, it, I'll never forget it. I was so horrified. And I remember going home and I didn't really have anyone to talk to at that time. So I didn't really tell anyone. I didn't tell my manager either. I just kind of thought maybe I'm doing it wrong. You know, you question yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what I should be doing. Yeah, it makes you feel really odd, those things. And I remember Googling it and I was like, no, you don't digest cotton wool. No. Oh my God. (laughs) I know. Well, it just shows, Mm. you know, it takes a lot of different experiences to lead you to where you are today. It does. And it's really made me realize that a lot still needs to change in certain industries, music, modeling, all these different things. And it's it's a sad reality but yep it taught me young that that's where I don't want to go no definitely not and that's sometimes the most useful lesson to learn it is yep um so let's talk about the third desert island dish of the day what's the best dish you've ever eaten this one's so hard because I love different foods from different cultures so although my cooking tends to be quite simple if I go out for dinner I'll try and go somewhere where I can't do it myself yes that's such a good thing to I do I love trying things and I think one of my favorite restaurants in London is Chotamate and that's Asian mixed with Peruvian cuisine yeah and there's this incredible miso aubergine dish with um, dried apricots and oh that to me it sounds so simple it's just a side dish of aubergine but to me that tastes on your oh the different flavors that come out it's just incredible oh that sounds amazing Where i know is this i think i've just sold that restaurant yeah. for <laughs> yeah, all of you your really listeners <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be booked out for the next I six know. months <laughs> where is it it's in soho okay Toto mate I'll, I'll show it to you after okay, you have a look yeah, you must we should go yeah we must brilliant <laughs> so you work for yourself which mm. may mean that every day is slightly different but what does a traditional day in food look like for you? Like, what do you have for breakfast? Oh, a day in food. Oh, well, this kind of thing I can definitely answer because breakfast is always pretty much 
One of four options. Okay. Predominantly scrambled eggs on toast with avocado, if I can get it. Yeah. Depends if, if it's you can a get a right one. one. I yeah. know. That is the, that is the <laughs> test, isn't it, in the supermarket? When they say they're right, they aren't. I know, always. the squidge test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that would be number one, followed by maybe another day I'd have porridge. It's just so easy, so quick, economical yep. version of breakfast. If I've been very organized, I'll have a frittata. So I always have breakfast when I wake up and a cup of green tea or matcha. Nice. Yeah, that is my yeah. ritual. I love my breakfast. So you always manage to have that at home? Yeah, I, yeah. I never skip. Even if I have to leave the house early, I tend to pack a lunch with me of overnight oats or something on the go. Or if there's a breakfast meeting, then that's a good Yeah, that's one. a really good meeting Because I will have a have. nice breakfast yeah. <laughs> <out>. <laughs> Maybe some French toast or something <laughs> as a treat. Uh, but then I will never skip lunch. Lunch is always loads of colourful vegetables. I tend to have sweet potatoes I bake at the weekend. Or um, even microwave packs of quinoa or rice. Yeah. It's so quick. Yeah. And in a lunchbox, if you you can just chuck that in a lunchbox with your roasted veg you've already made. I often have some tofu or fish or something with my lunch. And So you're you're not a vegan, but you don't eat a huge amount of red meat. Red meat. Red meat is something I've never eaten a huge amount of. I never was a big, big fan. Um, I also believe it's a little bit healthier to reduce your red meat consumption. There's nothing wrong with having poultry or white meat, but the studies out there suggest red meat has the links um, to the things that we won't go into. Yeah. It's a bit, <laughs> bit hardcore for this pod- <laughs> podcast at the moment. We won't delve into that, but I definitely like to have a mix. I always have meat-free Mondays. I've got meat-free yeah. Monday in my book as well, just to encourage people. I think the more sustainable we can be the better and it's so much easier yes. than people think isn't and it yeah so much i save so much money having falafel yeah oh my goodness I love yeah, falafel. falafel's so good yeah i know <laughs> all those things and so in a typical day are you a snacker yes, yes. definitely I always have a bag of nuts or an apple or something in my handbag even a yogurt if i have time i'll go into a local sainsbury's you know on the go or tesco just get one of those little yogurt pots i always have a spoon in my bag Oh, do you? That is the weird thing. I I know. I always take a teaspoon. There's one in my handbag for on the go and there's one at home. That must cause havoc with the airport security. (laughs) I have forgotten it once. And I now have a metal straw because my friend is quite into the environment. Yeah. I'm I'm not that good. I try really, really hard to be plastic free, but I bought this metal straw and I left it once in my handbag going through and it was beeping. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And like, it's a what is this? And I was like, it's a metal straw. They nearly confiscated it. And I persuaded them to let me keep it. <laughs> That's only beaten by um, me and my friend went on holiday and she bought me a little present. The alarm started going off and she sort of got a bit cross and was like, oh, you know, this is yeah, outrageous. Not There's nothing yeah. in my bag. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And then they picked up the present. She was like, no, like that's a present for my friend. Yeah, it's all wrapped up. Oh, no. Like, did they open what it? is it? And she was like, oh, it's a cake slice. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, you can't take that. <laughs> No. Oh, bless yeah, her. Because um, that could be considered I mean, a weapon. I mean, a yeah, slice. I know you could cause some serious damage you with could. the cake slice. <laughs> so moving on to the fourth and yeah. maybe most important oh. desert island dish, it's what is your favorite sandwich? Oh, goodness. Sandwich is all about the filling, Margie. Yes. All about the filling. 100%. I cannot bear a sandwich with one leaf, one tomato, and no protein. Oh, no. Just, yeah. So I'm more of an open sandwich girl. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of, and it's so quick, having a slice of toast or rye bread or something. I like mixing savory and sweet. So things like Ooh. 
This is getting a bit gourmet. I don't have time for this every day at okay. all. <laughs> if I had a pear in, I would slice a pear with some gorgonzola cheese or goat's cheese and have a few roasted veg- roasted peppers Ooh, with goat's yeah. cheese. With the pear? Yeah, definitely. Oh, right. I okay. love yeah, it's a real mix. That. Yeah, it's a real mix. But if I'm going basic, it would just be avocado on toast with maybe some slices of chicken or something. Maybe sardines. I love sardines Ooh. on toast. So I'm definitely more of an open... They're called schmor. I can never say schmor breads in Danish oh, countries yeah. or something. It's yeah. quite a craze that people are doing. Yeah, there's another word for them, isn't it? I was going to say a tartine. Oh yeah, yeah, similar to a tartine, like yeah. a French one. Yeah, yeah, with tartines, and you can get so creative with open sandwiches yeah, because you can. you can get more filling. You can mash some butter beans on an open sandwich, and there's loads of ways to get actually a proper meal. Whereas most shop bought sandwiches, I just I find it really unsatisfying. Yeah. They're a bit uninspiring. They are very uninspiring. I'd rather get the big salad bowl with the quinoa and stuff in it or the yes. grains. Yes. Just because I feel like I get more full on it. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> You're not wasting time on bread. No, yeah, yeah. So you have a book. I it's do. It's called Renourish, yes. which I love. Um, and it's filled with gorgeous looking recipes, which mm. I'm really excited to try out. <laughs> How did the book come about? Right. Um, such a good question because I didn't ever think I would write a book. It was not on my horizon. I was approached last October, October 2016, it would have okay. been now. And um, my editor, Lauren, and her friend, um, Townsend, booked in to see me in clinic. I thought, honestly, they booked in for a session. And oh, I so thought, they didn't say. No. Oh. <laughs> I thought it was a bit weird because I knew that they were from a book place, but I didn't think they were going to offer me a book. So I thought, oh, here come these two ladies. It's a bit odd that she's brought a friend, I was thinking, you know, for a consultation. Yeah. Normally it's quite private. Yeah, we're going to talk about loads of personal yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and they sat in front of me with a pile of books, you know, Delicious Ciela's books on their label, all these different people. And I was like, yeah, that's great. You know, thank you. They're, they're they're okay books. Yeah. How do you feel when you eat gluten? I know, I know. And I was literally looking at these books thinking, why have you bought those? She said, well, you know, we love your work in the Daily Mail and we've seen you writing for Sherlock's and all these different places and and we'd, we'd love to offer you a book deal. And inside my head, I was thinking, but what would I write about? I'm a nutritionist, which is stupid when I think about it now because obviously there's so much I can yeah. write about. And that's what happened with Renourish. It it became my whole nutrition philosophy in a book and we decided to do 50-50. So it's a nutrition Bible for anyone that that is stuck on, I don't know, sugar. There's a yeah. whole page on sugar, alcohol, page on alcohol, bone health, gut health. Everything is in there. It teaches you how to eat for you as an individual because I'm so f- almost fed up as a nutritionist of having people in clinic with, with problems around food because of one set size fitting all, which yeah, just, does not work. No. So I want to educate people to empower them to make informed choices that they believe in. And then the other 50% is about 70 recipes in the book. Easy, quick, because I'm not like you, Marjorie. I'm not a chef. You know, I'm, I would say I'm a cook. Yeah. So I'm not an expert, but I like to dabble and make things quick and easy as possible and nutritious. So, yeah. No, it's yeah. such a gorgeous book. And like Thank you say, you. like... The, break, the sections on sugar, yeah. I found that all really mindful useful. mindful eating, and, yeah. learning how to eat again and connect with your body. And there's a section for people that struggle with their relationship with food. That's really what I want to do is because I've been there. I want to be able to help people that have been through problems with food, been on tons of diets or, or simply don't know how to eat for them. That's yeah. What it's about. We're sort of in a weird place with food at the moment yeah. where people have sort of forgotten yeah, what that's it's about. Yeah. Completely. That's I what re is about. Yeah. 
no, it, that really comes across. Mm. I think it's a very necessary Thank you book. so much. <laughs> and how did you find the actual process of writing oh, it? Gosh, Margie, it was, so Margie's now sat in my new flat for those listening. Gorgeous and flat. So we were renovating this last year whilst I was writing the book. Oh my goodness. I know. So I didn't really have a stable writing space. Okay. For North, and I was working full time. So I had the clinic. My social media has been growing. So I've been doing lots of talks and events, traveling. Um, I'm still singing. And I was writing the book. Yes. Oh my goodness. I know. How do you do all this stuff? I don't know. (laughs) But I realized being an author is a full-time job. Yes. Yeah. So it was a big experience. And when I, if I, when I do it again, hopefully I will approach differently of a bit more structure. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm a bit like, oh, wow, there's this idea. Then there's this one. And the publishers said have um, 40,000 words. I came up with 60,000 oh. words. I know. So then I had to cut it all, which makes it even harder. Uh, yeah. You always think, oh, it's way better to have I do. way yep. over words. But actually that makes no. life like editing. It does. Fast, doesn't it? But it takes so long. things that I felt people really needed to hear, maybe the publishers didn't agree or I'd ask my friends and they'd agree or not agree. And it's good to get a whole body of opinion. Yeah. And also now you're ready for the second book. Totally. And <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your favorite recipe from the book? I love this question because there are so many in the book and I would have said the crumble. However, I think one of the best recipes is actually the full healthy. Ooh. It's got halloumi slices. Is that like a, a healthy take Healthy on a breakfast. breakfast. I love okay. it. Talk to me. So there's two options. So every yeah. recipe in the book is for vegans or vegetarians or animal eaters as well. Okay. So there's a whole mix. <laughs> is that what we're calling them? Animal eaters. Oh, I do. I do think that's the correct term. I shouldn't have used that. Meat eaters, carnivores, whatever you Just want. Just as a dog owner, I don't know. I know. Sorry. <laughs> that's hilarious. Maybe pescatarians and meat eaters. I like it. We'll, we'll stick with that one. <laughs> but they're all adaptable. So even the mac and cheese can be dairy free. The full healthy though, instead yeah. of scrambled eggs, you can scramble tofu. Ooh. You can have smoked salmon or halloumi. Ooh. Wait, so scrambled tofu. Yeah. I don't cook with tofu that often. Ah. You know, I feel like I'm missing out. Well, it does taste really good. Does it? So you literally yeah. just take, it comes in the block. You can buy different types of tofu. Okay. You can buy silken tofu or a firmer variety. Okay. But if it comes in the block, you can definitely grind that down. Okay. And then chuck it in a pan. That's what you'd it. use for the, yeah. okay. And you can add some spices and things. Tofu is a funny one. I had a big misconception of it growing up thinking it's the most revolting thing on the planet. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> However, I'm going to be honest, that's what I thought. After trying it, I absolutely love it. I really do. It, it, the texture is amazing. It depends how it's cooked. Yeah. Um, it's really. I've, I think I've only really had it fried. Yeah. Which it's I nice enjoyed. fried. You yeah. can bake it, which is nice, or roast it. Yeah. Um, some places deep fry it, which isn't the healthiest option, no. but it does taste Everything really good. Everything tastes good. Yeah. Deep fry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what else? Are you having beans in the breakfast? You or? can do yeah. a side of beans, homemade like tomato sauce instead of having ketchup or something on the side. But other meals in there that I think like the mac and cheese with quinoa crust is so good. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah, that is another favorite of mine. Yeah. Thai curry is another favorite. There are so many, it's hard to pick one yeah like picking between your children <laughs> it, it, it is <laughs> so the fifth desert island dish mm. of the day what's the dish you eat the most often that would probably be breakfast that I eat the most often yeah. <laughs> because it is the one meal I never skip every single day yeah yeah and if there's sort of one breakfast that you I mean we have already talked about breakfast yeah. but like the one dish that you just sort of find yourself coming back to time I just couldn't and time live again. without eggs I really couldn't. They're such a staple in my kitchen and they're so easy for me. 
Yeah. I, I just find them, they're so cheap. There's always a pack of eggs. Scrambled eggs, I love. Yeah, so Omelets. good. Oh, I love my pizza omelette. I love a pizza mm, omelette. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck in all the veg on top of the pizza, maybe a bit of cheese, or you can get vegan cheese for those that don't want that as well. And you can grill it and it's so good. Yum. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think obviously there's a lot of talk at the moment because it's January about mm. sort of veganuary. Oh, yes. and, yeah. And like you were saying, can definitely see so many benefits yeah. in cutting down and the amount of meat that we mm. eat. But I don't think I could give up. This. No, I couldn't even. I also think it's quite dangerous to label people. So I personally don't label my food consumption. I'm I'm not anything really. I choose what I like. Some yeah. days may be vegan. Other days maybe I may have a bit of chicken with my yeah. boyfriend. It's, that's okay. Yeah, I think that's so much it's better, isn't it? It's the pressure, isn't it? That yeah. people put. And it, that can also contribute to disordered relationships with food in itself. And yeah. You know, there there is a cry out for less meat consumption, which is great. And we're quite lucky in the EU that we have EU legislations and well in the UK. America's a different ball game. We can't compare ourselves no. to America. But yeah, that's a whole other subject. Yeah. Isn't it? January. <laughs> I heard a great talk that you did where you mentioned that your clinic numbers have tripled due to the impact of social media. Yes on people's eating habits. And I Mm. wondered, can you tell us a bit more about? Yes. So I've been very fortunate that I've never actually, um, when people set up a business, they always say you need something called SEO. Yes. Yes. Search engine optimization, which I've learned. (laughs) Yes. Um, I've never done that. Okay. I can't believe it. Honestly, I set up the clinic in Harley Street Retrition from working at a previous clinic. So my client base was just growing. I get dozens of emails every day. For, and, and are they coming, they find you on social they media? They must do, or, or commenting in the press. Perhaps yeah. now with the book, it's more prominent, but people need help. And one thing that kills me is that my clinic is on Harley Street. And my goal one day is to expand the Retrition Clinic, to have lots of people working in it, to make it more accessible. I don't want it to just be in Harley Street. I want it in a place where people can afford to come and get help. Yeah. So it needs to grow. But that's a really good place to start. Like it mm. establishes oh, yeah, you as a, a very serious person. And yeah. then, but yeah, how exciting. If I, you know, I know, I <laughs> know. So most of us, we're just sort of used to being ambushed with different diets and mm. the latest fad. But I can imagine it must be a bit infuriating for someone in your position who's really qualified to see some of the advice that you are sort of bandied about online. It, it's actually upsetting, not just frustrating, because I see the destructive impact in, with people in clinic. I see how it affects relationships with food and the psychology, not just health. Like, yes, it affects your biological health. It also affects your psychological health yeah. massively. The problem is diets don't work. And we're always pedal push or sold the next big diet. There is no difference between the outcome of low carb, high fat and high protein or low protein and high carb because it's overall energy reduction. All these fads and extremes, juicing diets, detox diets, everything it's not good for your body no. to mess around with it in that way. Yeah, I, I guess it, it's not sexy or in, no. interesting, but moderation is it, it, the answer, isn't it? And we need all the food group. <laughs> yeah. People that cut carbs, you're not going to be healthy. Your brain's not going to be functioning as effectively as it could be. There is a cry out for portion control, 100%. We, I can't say you can eat all the carbs under the sun because you can't. Yeah. You do need to have a portion. Rhiannon. I know, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but no, unqualified advice is something I'm also very passionate about. I'm trying 
to get a message out there, but it's so difficult because yeah. not everyone's aware that nutritionist isn't a protected title. So I'm a registered associate nutritionist, which means I'm governed by a governing board, but so many people can call themselves nutritionists with no that, degree. That does seem very strange. Awful. Is it going to change? We're trying. Okay. Not anytime soon, I don't think. There's bigger priorities for the government, unfortunately. Yeah. Right, yes. let's talk about the sixth <laughs> desert island dish of the day. And that's your go-to dinner party dish. Mm. Okay, I'm one of those that serves a curry at a dinner party. Lovely. I know. Yeah. But I think it's so easy and tasty. Yeah. And it's and everyone in a big loves bowl. It. Yeah, everyone loves it. They can take the portion size they want unless you plate it up for them. Yeah. You can adapt it to be mild or spicy. You find out what your guests like. And if it's a Thai curry, then you can buy the paste if you don't have time to get all these fancy ingredients yeah that's a top tip so easy coconut milk whack it in the pan and then it's also suitable for vegans too so for people that have guests and they're worried about what to cook for people thai is really good because you don't have to have the dairy element as well yeah that's so true Mm. sort of you've got vegans or gluten-free people coming yeah it it kind of tailors so that's my standard because it's just so quick and easy it can simmer in the pan while you're getting changed and ready and serve that up either with prawns or with a veggie option with chickpeas or something it's just so versatile yeah that sounds mm. delicious yeah, would you it. serve a pudding of course yeah <laughs> so I always do two so I always oh, wow. have yeah, a double pudding always a double pudding but that's because I know not everyone loves dessert which is surprising but they don't yeah so you give them two <laughs> I do I do yeah I serve up two I'm like well you will have one you could either have my stewed fruit in the corner Yum. with some yogurt or you'll have my proper chocolate brownie dessert Yes. Then they have a choice. Yeah, that's a really good idea. (laughs) And then if they don't eat the stewed fruit, you can have it for breakfast on your porridge. Put it on the porridge. Yes, you know me so well already, (laughs) Marge. So I wondered, someone in Mm -hmm. your position, what's the weirdest food fad you've come across? Oh my goodness. Like, what are we thinking about the butter and coffee situation? Oh, I can't bear it. I mean, is it bulletproof coffee? Like, what's awful? What is even going the on in their head? Process behind I know. That. Skipping a whole balanced meal for a load of fat in a coffee. Yeah, I mean, I like butter, but yeah, me too. But I'm I wouldn't not drink it, it in my coffee. No, it's there's no scientific research backing that up, and I've actually asked them. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And they didn't send me. They just sent me the website, and they, I said, "Well, where's the literature? Where's the science papers?" I would. I genuinely wanted to learn. To say, yeah. Am I missing something? Well, you here? asked the company that yeah. makes, oh and publicly on Twitter too, because I find Twitter's quite effective. If you publicly ask, they will respond. And all they could send was links to a blog from this guy David Asprey or something, just saying this is what he believes. There's no science really that bulletproof coffee oh, my is goodness. good. And coffee's not good for everyone. There's pros and cons to it i love the odd iced coffee on holiday and some people some of my friends function really well on it some people that are prone to anxiety or certain conditions coffee is just going to make it worse yeah it's a stimulant yeah yes and yeah i know you're saying that like <laughs> i love my coffee no i'm just thinking like that's so true like starting i love your day on it. i love coffee mm. but that sometimes you can i can feel it in my heart can you oh no don't say that it's a bit of palpitation yeah. that's not good okay moving on <laughs> what would be the three kitchen essentials that you couldn't live without like your sort of three desert island ingredients non-stick frying pan Ooh, yes Straight away. That yeah. is a lifesaver. Which, which means you also don't love washing up. I don't. Yeah, that's why we like nonstick. Yeah, we do. I know, <laughs> definitely. I'm all about the nonstick. The other one would be my Nutribullet, actually. Because yes. I do make a lot of smoothies and things. And also, I just chop vegetables sometimes. Oh, do and, you? That's yeah. a good tip. I mean, it's not all, it depends on the blade, if you've got the big one or the little one. But that's quite an effective thing. It's also good for dressings. Yes, it? it is. And you know, people are not going to like this, but a microwave... 
I, I love know. that. Yeah. You know, I'm really happy I, that you said that. I use my microwave loads. Me too. I mean, not having an oven in my flat for several weeks. My microwave was a godsend. Yeah. I even had an air fryer. Ooh, oh, yeah. I, I've only seen them advertised on telly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And air fries are my, my best kitchen oh, really? ever. Yeah. Okay. Honestly, it was so good because it cooks things without the oil. So if you don't yeah. have time as well, and like I cook veggie sausages in it or something, it's incredible. Yeah, mm. love it. Okay. <laughs> right, well, on to the final desert island dish. Yeah. And that's the last dish you would choose to eat before being cast off to the desert island. A roast dinner. Oh, great answer. <laughs> With every single trimming cauliflower cheese yes cranberry sauce even if it's not turkey yeah i love cranberry sauce yeah why it doesn't have to just be christmas i know stuffing <laughs> and it's funny because i went to dubai for christmas this year it's the first time i've ever not been in the country for christmas and i missed it so it's much. strange isn't it it is strange yeah i needed the break for my health but i really just i missed the stuffing and the gravy and all the red cabbage, you know, they just don't do that out there. Yeah. And you, you're sort of aware that it's Christmas, but actually mm. when you come back, you feel sort of a bit discombobulated. Yeah, I was sunbathing like, and it was fine. But or? Yeah. And then it kind of, I mean, yeah. they have Christmas trees and things. Yeah. But it's not the same. What, so what did you eat on Christmas Day? Well, we did try. We had this hotel deliver like a roast dinner. It's okay. That's what they do out there. Okay. I couldn't believe yeah. it was happening, but it was not very good. Oh, is it not? Like, it, it just... No, no not the same. No, it was not the same. Bless them. And you're allowed <laughs> to take one luxury item with you. What would you like to take? I, oh, a luxury item. This is really, really difficult. I would probably take a luxury item. Oh, you throw me on that sorry, completely. One. It is because I'm thinking about things like a hairbrush, but I don't think that's a luxury item. I wouldn't want to take a hairbrush. I mean, you can. I think I'd probably take my water bottle, my like nice posh water bottle. That's very practical. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be the luxury item because yeah. it will last forever. It's one of those, not just a plastic one. It's one of those nice metal ones, you know, that you take everywhere. Yeah. And I could put coconut water in from my coconut. That is a very <laughs> practical answer and you can definitely Better take that with you. Yeah. <laughs> you can take both. I'm very yeah. generous. And thank you so much for letting oh, us hear your desert island. Thank question. you. <laughs> So apparently it's not a good thing if your heart races when you drink coffee. <laughs> Might be something I need to look into. In the meantime, there's a delicious recipe to go alongside Rhiannon's episode. It's a goodie. You just have to head to www.desertislanddishes.co and check it out. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes and you can find me on Instagram at Made by Margie. See you next time. <laughs>